We're going to continue this morning on our series on the Christmas classics. And I'm going to try to do this, this Christmas classic, this Christmas carol justice this morning. It kind of threw me for a loop when I began to dive into it and look at the, the background and the history of this particular carol. It is one of my favorites. Um, we're going to talk about the, the, the carol, What Child Is This? I can remember very vividly growing up, being a small kid, and my parents would listening to Christmas music, and it was Bing Crosby singing, What child is this who lays to rest? I always wanted to sing like him, never got there. But I remember that song, and it's just kind of one of those that, you know, every time I think about Christmas growing up, that, that song is there. And as I began to study this out for this lesson, I ran across some pretty unique things. This song was, was penned in 1865 by a man named William um, Chatron Dixon. It was set to music in 1871, and it was first heard in Great Britain. But as you can imagine, it's become way more popular in the United States. I thought that might have been because Bing Crosby sang it, but it wasn't. What I found out when I began to study this carol is that it's, it's, it's got a unique twist to it. The lyrics were penned by Mr. Dix, but the actual music to this carol was produced in the 16th century. So they took the lyrics for What Child Is This and they put it with an old English folk song. I thought, okay, what's the history behind this one? I got to look and the actual... According to what I found, the actual title of the song that they got the music from was, and I kid you not, the little ditty about the woman in the green sleeves. That's pretty much verbatim what I found. They took the music from a song that the, that, that the Brits knocked down to call Greensleeves, and they put the words to what child is this with the music to that. I thought, okay. So I got to looking. The music to the song Greensleeves, Greensleeves was not written as your wholesome family song. I was really disappointed in that. The song Greensleeves, without getting too graphic, going into too much detail, was written about a prostitute. And I thought, great. Should have picked Hark the Herald Angel. What are you going to say about a song that was written and they morphed it with the music to what it was considered at the time a provocative folk song. What am I going to do with that? How am I going to apply this to make it relevant for your lives in first word? But then I began to think about something. God began to deal with me. Psalms 40 and 3 says this, he put a new song in my mouth. 
a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Why are they going to fear the Lord and why are they going to put their trust in him? Because they're going to see the new song. See, ladies and gentlemen, here's the reality of it. You're still flesh. You still have the name that you were given at birth in this physical realm. And I thought, how, how fitting when that child came and he died. The notes of the music, Brother Moss, may still be the same, but the lyrics are totally different. Because he put a new song in me. What child is this who lays to rest on Mary's lap, sleeping? This new song. I got to thinking about this. This child. This baby. This is going to be different. When we come to the Lord, we all have things that we don't want anybody to know about. We definitely don't want everything that we've done and we've experienced in life to be put to music and sang for the world to see. But the, the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, is people know us. That's why some people have a hard time living for God is because they have trouble getting over the past, the things that they've done, because they know that others know exactly who they were and what they've done and, and what they've been involved with. And it becomes a hindrance to them. But I want you to understand something. None of us have this figured out. None of us have this figured out. Matter of fact, if I read my Bible correctly, <clears throat> Genesis 1, God creates the heaven and the earth. Earth is out form, it's void, darkness upon the face of the deep. Spirit of God moves on the face of the waters. He begins to speak the world into existence. And then he stoops down and he forms man from the dust of the earth. And then he forms woman from a rib from the side of Adam. And he puts them in the garden. And things are pretty good. Life is as it should be. It lasted all of two chapters. Because by the time Genesis 3 rolls around, man has found a way to drive this thing off into the road ditch and mess up God's perfect plan so if you're worried about your past, the things you've done, the things that you've been involved with, let, let me enlighten you here. Two people who were supernaturally formed, who spent time communicating with God in the garden every day, could not keep their life together without crashing and burning. Bible says in Genesis 3, verses 6 and 7, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree 
was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband, to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And the eyes of them both were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made a covering for themselves. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Then the man and, and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. They didn't even make it to verse 10 before they made the biggest mistake of their life. And their first response was to go hide. I don't want anybody to know. I don't want God to know. I don't want to have to face up or own up to what I've done. Understand this. If you're wanting a new change, if you're wanting a fresh start, you can have it. It's time to change the lyrics. Yeah, you may be known in the community by your given name. But as you begin to sing new lyrics to a different song, and what I'm talking about when I'm, when I'm saying that is when you give your heart and your life to God and you begin to follow Him and you begin to walk after Him and you begin to, to, to try your best to align your life and He washes you in His blood and your sins are remitted in baptism and He fills you with His Spirit, all of a sudden your life is going to take on some new lyrics. You're going to begin to sing a different song by the way you live and the way you act and the way you interact and pretty soon people are going to look at you and they're not going to remember the old song. They're going to be picking up on the new song that you're singing. Well, I don't know if I necessarily believe this. Well, have you ever heard the little ditty of the green sleeves? How many of you know the song, What Child Is This? What happened? The new version rose to prominence above the old lyrics and the old song. We're in the Christmas season. We're talking about a child that was born to redeem mankind from their sins. And what better, what better time to start singing a new song than now? He's put a new song in my mouth. You can live beyond the failures, beyond the mistakes, beyond the flaws. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 says this, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. What child is this who lays to rest on Mary's lap of sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds' flocks are keeping. What child is it? It's Jesus. This child, this unique God-man that came on the earth that's forever going to change how we see things and how we interact with things. 
he shall save his people from their sins. This song wasn't written just to give us some Christmas entertainment. Probably don't sing it any other time of the year. Some of you may. Some of you start Christmas music in like October, September. I mean, maybe even April. I don't know. But for the vast majority of us, this is not something that we play every day. I listened to it from about Thanksgiving to Christmas time, and it's just an old Christmas song that I like to hear. And if I'm being truthful with you, I like to hear when Bing Crosby sings it in that big, deep, bravado voice that he has, you know. And maybe watch It's a Wonderful Life in the process. But there's more to it than that. Just like in life, there's more to life than just having a moment here or a moment there. God said, I want to do a work in you that lasts. Not just today, but tomorrow and the next day and the next day from generation to generation to generation. Years later, this child who is born is going to begin his ministry. He's going to walk the earth. And he's going to open the blinded eyes. He's going to unstop the deaf ears. He's going to raise the dead. Three and a half years of ministry, he will turn the world upside down. But there is one account that as I was looking at this this morning, and I was looking at the history of the blending of this song, that really got me. Because I couldn't help, when I began to look at it, the thought of the new song. I talk about a new song, a new life, a new beginning. John 8 and 3 says this, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery. They made her stand before the group. Talk about having your life's lyrics displayed for the world to see. It's one thing when you unstop a deaf ear. Guy couldn't hear probably from birth or a tragic accident. Open the blind eyes of a guy who's never been able to see. But this little woman, if we're going by the context of a song, the lyrics of her life had been displayed for everyone to see. They drag her to Jesus. They catch her in the act of adultery. And so they bring her in the midst of her shame, in the midst of her guilt, in the midst of everything that that she's facing. They bring her to the very one who this old classic has been written about, and they throw her at his feet, and they say, Master, the law says that we're to stone her. But what do you say? 
what are you going to say about this, Jesus? You see the life. You see the, 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 the sin. You see the, the failures. You see the problem. You see, you, you see everything that encompasses this woman's life, and it's, it's not being covered up. It's not being shielded. It's, it's displayed for everyone to see. No one can deny this person's failings and shortcomings. What do you say about it? And he never said a word. He just stooped down and he begins to write. Begins to write in the dust and they begin to stand there impatiently waiting for an answer on something that they can, they can capitalize on. Sad part about it is, is they really weren't worried about the woman. They were worried about tripping Jesus up. They were going to use her and 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 and. and humiliate her in the process of trying to get to Jesus. I want to stop here and say something. Your failures, your shortcomings, your problems, your enemy wants to rub that in the face of the Redeemer. It's not really about making you feel bad. It's about humiliating you to the point that he can grieve the heart of the one that loved you and died for you. So they, they bring her, they, they, they ask him, what do you say? He begins to write in the, in the dirt, begins to write in the sand and not say anything. And finally he looks up at him and he says, he that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And at this, the Bible says, he fell silent again, and they began to turn and walk away from the oldest to the youngest until it was just he and the woman that were left. And Jesus looks at her, and he says, this woman, where are thine accusers? And she said, there's no man, Lord. And he says, then neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. What, what transpired in that small space of time? She had an encounter with a Savior, and he said, look here. You want a new song? We can make that happen right now. And for some, and I'm, I'm going to clarify this, for some I've just confused you because you said, well, you, 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 we, we talk around here about repentance and, and being baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost to be born again. And you're telling me he just looked at this woman and said, go and sin no more. Yes, you're under two different dispensations. At the death of the testator, the will is read. At this time, they're still under Old Testament law. By sin, according to Old Testament law, if you had a sin offering that had to be offered, you went and you got something that was pure of the flock, a lamb. You would bring that lamb before the priest. You would lay your hand on the lamb. Your sin would be transferred, and they would offer a blood sacrifice on the altar. Paul said he's both our lamb and our high priest. So when she was at the feet of Jesus, she was transferring just as if you would have brought a lamb because he was without sin. There was the transfer that was taking place for the moment of the shedding of blood.
He said, you want new lyrics? I'll give you a brand new song. In our world today, we are living in a society that has a suicide rate that is higher than it's ever been. We live in the middle of an opioid crisis. We live in the middle of rampant depression in our society. There are more antidepressants prescribed in this time in his, history than in any other time. We're more mental health conscious than we've ever been. Why? Because we have rampant problems in society. It's because people don't know how to handle the song they're living. They can't handle the pain of child abuse that they suffered. They can't handle some of the things that they've gone through. They can't beat addiction. They can't get over a porn addiction that's cost them their family, their kids. And so they don't know how to cope with everything that is on top of them. And that's why we live in a society that's out of control. But I've come to tell you today, there is one that can give you a new song. How are we going to get there? How am I going to experience that? How am I going to find this new start, new song, whatever you want to call it? Mary is a spouse to a man named Joseph. She's looking at an awesome life. And an angel appears to her and says, Mary, blessed art thou among women. You're highly favored. The Lord has chosen you. That's awesome. I want to be highly favored. I want to be chosen. Oh, by the way, Mary, there's a, here, here's, here's how this is needing to work out, Mary. I need you to carry in your womb a baby because you're a virgin and you're favored and you're chosen and you're picked. You're going to give birth to the Messiah. And we read that and we go, yes! Have you ever stopped to consider what is Mary going to tell Joseph? Well, you know, babe, there was this angel that appeared, and he told me I was going to have a baby, and surprise, we're going to have a baby. She understood some things. If I give birth to this Messiah, it's going to cost me something. It could potentially cost me my relationship with my future husband. It could, it could potentially cost me my reputation. Because when I walk into the market or when I go to draw water and I'm involved in daily activities, there are going to be people that are going to look at me and they're not going to buy the story that an angel appeared to me and told me I was going to give birth to a holy thing. They're going to put their spin on it and they're going to call it what they will. What is Joseph going to do? Is he going to accept this? 
or am I going to potentially lose out on the relationship that I've dreamed of and wanted of? Make no mistake, when she said, be it unto me according to thy word, there was some cost that was involved. Her pride had to be laid down. Her will had to be laid down. But Mary, there's a new song that's got to be sung. And somebody has got to be the facilitator for it. The Bible says that we're his hands and his feet. We come to him and we're a mess and we're a wreck and we say, God, I want to go to heaven. And he says, good, I need somebody that can be my representation on the earth. So let me redeem you, put my spirit in you, and you can become my hands and my feet. And you can go where I can't go now. And you can minister and you can touch your world and your community. But there's a cost. It's going to cost you laying your pride down on an altar of repentance. It's going to cost you finding a place and saying, God, not my will, but your will. I want to be redeemed, but God, I don't want to lay, I don't want to have to face the guilt and the pain and the shame and the agony of everything I've gone through. And God says, listen, I can't do what I want to do in your life until you're willing to lay it down and let me touch you. We read this story of, of this child coming and we sing this Christmas carol and we go through our routines and our motions and, and, we, and we're thankful for the birth of this king. We're thankful for this Messiah. But he says, I want to do something more in you, but it's going to require you offering yourself to me. And at that point, is the disconnect. I don't know if I want to do this. You know, God, can we talk about this? You, you like spit in the dirt and rub dirt in this man's eyes, and he could see. He just spoke to the dead, and they came back to life. Do we really have to carry this thing for nine months inside of me? Can't we just like you speak and poof, there it is. As a father of two small children, the chore that nobody in my house wants is changing the poopy diaper. Nobody wants that job. Mary could have been like, God, just send him. I'll change the diaper. Can you just poof and make him appear? I'll raise him. I'll change the diapers. But I don't want to have to go through nine months. Of, of this growing inside of me. And, you know, if you just produce him and give him to me, if you just speak him into existence and give it to him, I can always say that, you know, I'm just, uh, it's, a, it's an adoptive relationship. I can't do that, Mary. It's got to be flesh and spirit. I've got to use your womb. We bargain with God a lot like that. God, I'll change the dirty diapers. Just save me. 
I'll do whatever you need me to do. I need you to repent. God, anything but that. I'll do anything that you want me to do. I need you to be baptized in my name. God, literally anything. I mean, <laughs> anything. Just, just speak the word. And can, can we figure out another way? This is the plan. Really, infilling of your spirit? Can, can I not just, can you not just breathe on me? Well, that is when I breathe on you. You're going to speak into Yeah, but God, listen. Can we, can we, you know. I want to negotiate my terms. But understand this. Scripture says he's the author and the finisher. Now, hold up a minute. If you're going to have a song, you've got the author of a song that pins the lyrics to the song. I can't pin my lyrics and set it to my own music or it's still the same old song composed by the same old person that originally pinned it. If the author of Green Sleeves would have pinned, kept pinning the words and setting it to the music, it would still be Green Sleeves. It took another man to pick up a pen and write the lyrics that were going to be set and married with the music so a new song could begin. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. Here's how this works. He has to pen the lyrics to my life. And when I look at him and say, it can't happen, I can't, uh, repentance, really? Baptism, really? infilling of the Holy Ghost, really? Can I not just do this, this? You're taking the pen and you're saying, let me write in the, the verse here and let me, let me pin this in a little bit here and a little bit there. You're creating the same stuff over and over and over. What happens? Men fall. Adam and Eve eat, to, eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a few chapters later, it says that the Lord looked down on the earth and He said, men's thoughts are on evil continually. Why? Because there's some things we were never supposed to handle. And I may sound like I'm all over the place here, but I'm trying to get you back to a certain point. It started with Adam and Eve in the fall in the garden. The child coming was to redeem us. It was to bring us back into fellowship and communion with what took place at the garden. That was a broken relationship because of sin. I've got to get back to the original author so that he can begin to write the lyrics to the song. Exodus chapter 15, verse 20, we find the children of Israel who have been slaves under the Pharaoh. We find them finding their way out of that environment. The Lord delivers them with a mighty hand. They get to the Red Sea, and it appears to be that they're in an impasse. They've got the sea in front of them. They've got Pharaoh behind them. And so they began to murmur. They began to figure out, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to get there? 
And we can knock Israel for their murmuring, but I just want to throw a side note out here. We do the same thing. How am I going to get out of this, God? You mean you brought me here for this? How am I going to overcome this mess? Moses says, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. The Egyptians that you see today, you'll see them no more tomorrow. Forever. The Bible says that the Lord causes a strong wind to blow all the night long, and they wake up the next morning, the Red Sea's parted. They cross on dry ground, and Pharaoh and his army pursue after them, and the waters close over the Egyptians. And when they got on the other side, Exodus 15, 20 says, Then Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took up a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. And Miriam, Miriam sang unto them, Sing unto the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and rider hath he hurled into the sea. For the first time, these slaves begin to sing a new song about freedom. This carol talks about what child is this? This child that's come. This, this is Christ the King whom shepherds guard. Angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. These people who had nothing began to sing a song of freedom. All of this season that we're celebrating, that many of us, if we're being honest, we're stressed over finances, how we're going to make all the kids have a great Christmas, pay all the bills, and survive. How are we going to do all this stuff? We've got Christmas dinner to prepare. We've got to go put up with in-laws that we don't like, but we act like we do because it's for the kids' sake. I see some of you. Most stressful time of the year for some of you right now. Brother Mike's echoing it over here. He's fired up. Well, let's be real. This is one of the most joyous times. It's the best, as the writer said, it's the best of times and it's the worst of times all rolled into one. And it's so easy to get caught up in just the holiday of it. And I mean, that's human nature. That's who we are. But we need to never forget that there's a child that was born that loves us, that wants to renew and restore and refresh and redeem us, that wants to make us new, that wants to give us hope, that wants to put a new song in our mouth. That's what this is all about. And for that to happen, I have to be willing to open myself up and allow him to touch me and move. And to go into the areas of my life that I don't want anybody going into. Because there's too much guilt, there's too much pain, and there's too much, you know. I just want to buy presents and sing what child is this and going about my life. And he said, that's not why I came. 
I came to do something in your life to make you new, to make you whole. I don't want to show hands here, but answer this question. If you could leave today free of guilt, free of anxiety, free of pain, free of depression, free of the nightmares that cause you not to be able to sleep, free of your past, would you do it? If I told you it could be over with like that, would you do it? I dare say everybody in this room would be like, sign me up. And don't sit there looking smug, smug at me because I'm up here and, and you get to sit there and hide because I know what's going on in your mind. All of us, we, we all have them. You'd be like, That can happen if we're willing to say, God, here we are. Search me. What do the psalmist say? Search me and know my heart. Try me. See if there be any wicked thing in me. What are you saying, David? I'm saying I want him to take a hard look inside of me. And remove anything that shouldn't be there. He wants to give you a new song this morning. He wants to make you whole. Not just feel good. He wants to make you whole. I'm stopping. We're, we're, we're going to dive into another one this week. I've enjoyed these classics. I will say this. Several years ago. I was in a neighbor, certain neighborhood and I felt to go pray over a house. It's just not like me. Those of you that know me, I'm very much an introvert. I felt to go pray over this house. I said, God, these people are going to think I'm nuts. They're going to walk, they're going to look out their window. But I felt it strong. I pushed it off the first day, felt it the second day, pushed it off the second day. The third day I was in this particular neighborhood, I walked past this place and I felt the Lord hit me again and said, I said, go pray over that house. I said, okay. I walk up there. I did not raise my hands. I just kind of, Lord, touch, you know, the need, you know, the situation. Minister, I pray in Jesus' name. And the guy comes outside. <laughs> Just wanted to pray over your house, man. Hey, sir, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? My name's so-and-so. That's good to meet you. Yeah. We start talking, and I said, uh, you're going to think I'm probably nuts. I said, but. I just felt to come by and pray over your house. I said, would you like a word of prayer? This guy begins to cry. He looked at me. He said, man, he said, I would love a good night's sleep. He said, I was a Navy SEAL in Vietnam. 
He said, I saw things and I participated in things and I've been involved in things that torment me. And he said, I cannot get a good night's sleep. Would you pray that I could just sleep tonight? That's the God that we're talking about. A God that wants to move on somebody to go pray for somebody because they need a good night's sleep. Stand with me this morning. So when I tell you that he wants to make you whole, he wants to make you whole. From how you feel to you getting rest. Let's go before him. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your blessings and mercy. I thank you for your kindness. I'm asking that you would bless us, that you would move on our hearts. I pray, God, that we would be receptive to your word and we would listen to your word. I'm asking, God, that you would touch us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. We're going to take a quick 10-minute break, and then we're going to kick our main service off. Thank you so much for being a part of First Word.